Hello, and thanks for streaming The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. This is a fortnightly look at the technologies that are going to affect our lives in, of course, the near future. Okay, you go into a shop to buy stuff. I mean, just tell me if I'm telling this story too quickly. And you're dependent on the label to bring you up to speed with what's in the package. Expiry date, when it's far too late to eat that bag of salad from a bag of fridge that you've forgotten. Oh, just me. But labeling is starting to go high tech and it will be able soon to tell us a lot more, even communicating without our having to read it. One label maker is Avery Dennison. But although they use paper, the company still believes it's able to push a zero waste agenda, which if it's correct, is a major step forward. To explain, my guest is the company's Vice President of Connected Products in the Atma IO division. He leads the company's digital venture, which enables every product to have a unique identity. And that's after a background founding new label technology and serving on Venture for America and Entrepreneur Board. His name is Max Winograd. Max, welcome. Thank you for having me, Guy. Great to be here. You're more than welcome. So tell us a bit about Avery Dennison and yourself. Let's pretend I just said it makes labels to make it sound almost a bit boring. Liven it up a bit for us. What does a digital division do? And uh, tell us about Atma IO. Avery Dennison is at the forefront of realizing a vision where every physical item can have a unique digital identity and digital life. And that comes by bridging between the physical item, which has that humble label on it, to the digital world where you can now attach all of the data that goes beyond what you can see and interact with on the shelf and really understand truly everything that has happened from a product all the way back to how it was made and where it came from through its journey in the supply chain and what happened to it, if it's real, if it's fake, and then learn as a consumer how you can actually empower and enable that product to actually drive sustainable behavior. And so for us, what the digital division does is really enable the future of circular business models and a connected, sustainable product supply chain. Now, that's interesting because uh, in terms of sustainability and circular economy, circular manufacturing, uh, you've issued a report on zero waste with the Future Laboratory, I understand. Um, what are some of the headline findings of that? For me, the most interesting thing that came out of the zero waste report is the fact that such a large problem is this notion of invisible waste. So it's the stuff that's caused by poor inventory management and overproduction. So it's potentially, you think of it as waste that you don't see, but it is truly adding up in terms of carbon costs to the world, resources that get wasted like water and energy, and ultimately drives the potentially the wrong behaviors in the supply chain. Looking at the report, it makes the point that on the consumer side, as well as the business side, but let's think about the consumer at the moment, we are overflowing with waste. I've mentioned uneaten food in the intro. Then there's all those clothes in people's wardrobe that they've worn once, if at all. People have T-shirts custom made for a stag night or a hen night or something before they get married and they get worn once. What's driving this waste culture? And is it a cultural thing? I think you pointed at the fact of consumption and overconsumption there. And and a key enabler of that is convenience. I can go online and buy a new item and get it to my home very, very quickly. I, I live in Boston. I can get it the same day. And that's enabling the ability to quickly purchase something to kind of feed that id of, of wanting a product. And without necessarily thinking about how can I extend the life of the products I already have or 
how can I reuse a product or buy a product that's already been used by somebody else? Yeah. Uh, so what do we do about that? Uh, because we're talking about a cultural change and a behavioral change rather than a technological change here. I think the, the newest generations of consumers are helping to drive that culture change. We've seen during the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, the greatest growth spurt in the resale markets for apparel, seeing high double-digit percentage year-over-year growth of people and products that are being resold, or we say re-commerced, where they're actually taking an existing product and giving it a second life to somebody else. And there's lots of platforms that are actually able to take a product and give it a second life, refurbish it, because just because I'm done with it doesn't mean that the product's life needs to end. Okay, this is where I get perhaps a little cynical. I mean, when I was growing up, people were starting to recycle just a little. This is in the UK, of course. Um, They were sending paper back to mills. They were sending bottles back, um, usually with a financial incentive. You'd get a small deposit back on, um, say, a, a lemonade bottle. That was the 1970s. I mean, things have changed a bit, but we still seem to have a problem. I mean, does it have to, does there have to be some seismic change? Do you think, are we completely stuck in our ways? I don't think that we're stuck in our ways. And I actually see that consumers are becoming increasingly more demanding of brands and supply chains operating in a more sustainable way. And I think if we think about the change, it's being driven really from, from three elements. The first element is the consumer demanding transparency, demanding for more sustainable products, demanding for you know brands that are driving a positive impact in society. It's coming from regulators. In the two years before the COVID-19 pandemic, 79 countries and the EU all reported at least one policy to promote sustainable consumption and production according to the UN. So we're definitely seeing both pressure from consumers with their wallets and regulators with their policies to try to push brands to be more sustainable. But then we're also seeing forward-leaning brands actually take the initiative. And there are extensive numbers of net zero pledges coming from some of the largest corporations in the world who see that there's not just a requirement or a demand to do it, but it's it's the right thing to do and that it's good for business. And it's translating to greater brand equity and better results both financially and ecologically through how they're operating their supply chains. You're making a lot of sense to me, particularly the fact that it's got to be sustainable financially, because otherwise business is not going to do anything about it. It'll make a lot of noise about it. But uh, it's when it becomes financially advantageous that you stop the greenwashing. I take that completely on board. Another thing it leads to, though, is a lot of very simplistic messaging, uh, like the idea that plastic is all bad, paper is all bad. I'm just wondering whether it really is simple as all that. Your report suggested it's a little more complex. I think that if you think about the notion of materials, it's how do you develop innovations that can advance the circular economy? And then how do you also reduce the overall environmental impact of one's operations and that supply chain? And so if I think about that first element, which is one of Avery Dennison's 2030 sustainability goals, it's about developing products that will use materials. It will, like an RFID tag, will use materials but it is a key enabler to then creating things like inventory accuracy. So now I, as a brand, can reduce the amount of excess products I have to make at the front end of my supply chain and reduce the shrink all the way through to the retail outlet. And that becomes a tremendously powerful tool to help drive more sustainable supply chain operations.
Do you want to sound as confident as my interviewee in this episode? If you talk to the press or other media, are you worried you'll be misquoted, or they'll just publish their story and not yours? Clapperton Media Associates can help with coaching. Drop me a note, guy at clapperton.co.uk, and we'll arrange a time for an exploratory call. Now, back to the podcast. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your own business, which is, of course, uh, in labeling. You've touched on the smart technology. You've mentioned RFID. But I wonder if you could add what sort of other technologies you use and why traceability is so important. So I'll speak first to that last point, Guy, about why is traceability so important? Going back to the consumer again, 70% of consumers say that trusting a brand is more important today than ever. And really the key to that trust is transparency. And the key to being able to be transparent is to be able to know exactly what's happening to the product every step of the way. Sorry to interrupt. Do you have a source on that 70% figure? Yes. I believe that comes from research from MIT Sloan School of Management. Fine. Thanks very much. Just so that just in case anybody who's Googling it instead of listening. No worries. And where I was going with that is trust is the end result that the consumers are looking for. The key to that is transparency. The key to transparency is being able to know exactly what's happening to your product at every step of its journey. In order to do that, you really need two components. You need to have a digital identity that sits at the center of that product's, almost like peering into the product's soul, where you can actually then associate data as it gets generated with that unique digital identity. You also need something in the physical world, which can actually connect that physical product every time it's interacted with, whether it's scanned in a factory or distribution center or by a consumer once it's been purchased, to then create that initial event. That event then gets associated with that digital identity. And from that point on, you now are creating that data trail, that traceability. So the combination of both a physical trigger on a product, which could be an RFID tag, it could be something like a QR code or even a a Bluetooth sensor, along with that digital identity becomes really the fundament to having a connected product. And once you have a connected product, you now are giving products a voice. The product can talk and now the product can tell you things and you can learn from the product. And through that, you can build that transparency, which then gets to the trust I was talking about a couple of minutes earlier. I suppose it's not just about sustainability, although that's a major, major part of it. There's also the, am I buying a fake pair of Nikes or is this bottle of wine really worth the £60 I'm paying for it because did it really come from Bordeaux or whatever your your example is? If you can actually tell that with an app on your phone uh, that is genuine, uh, that will help increase the trust, won't it? Absolutely. You need to have that kind of a digital birth certificate or digital identity to truly be able to authenticate an item to be able to also then use that product as a channel to your consumer so that once you go past you know, the packaging that's there on the physical product, you can now drive an entirely whole new set of conversations for increasing loyalty and engagement. So we really see a connected product as driving things, not just on the supply chain side for traceability, but enabling a trusted relationship between a brand and a consumer that builds and builds over time because you can keep talking to the product once you've bought it. I'm just wondering who pays for this and whether the technology actually increases the price of goods because someone's got to pay for these chips or these codes being developed, whatever it is. And also why someone like Adidas would be interested in supporting the idea of extending the life of a pair of trainers, uh, even if it's uh, by having them passed on to someone else. 
I mean, surely it's in their interest for people to buy new ones and keep the turnover, keep the uh, the sales going, rather than use the existing pairs even longer term. I would challenge that guy. I actually see forward-leaning brands like Adidas who are really driving towards a more circular business model, acknowledging the fact that it is critical to develop products that are actually made to be remade and also made to be resold. And it's important because we all, as businesses and as consumers, have an obligation to be good stewards of our resources and of this earth. We also have an opportunity to differentiate ourselves and how we make products and how we sell products to our brands in an increasingly competitive market and in a market that's demanding more and more for sustainable and circular products. And so when you ask the question, does it increase the price of the good? I actually think that the technology increases the value of the good. And that's really where the brands like Adidas and a lot of Atmayo's customers see a tremendous opportunity to use digital identities to ultimately create a new relationship with the consumer so that they see that they're now able to participate in the circular economy. I can, as an individual, scan my trainers, resell it back to the brand, and I can actually create, going back to that consumption concept of that it effect, there's actually a positive it effect as well when you resell an item because you feel like you're giving it a second life. You feel like you're doing the right thing. So as an individual, it's also empowering and the brand is giving me that agency through the technologies that we're offering the market. Okay. It may be a uh, international question. It may be uh, because I'm in the UK and I believe you are in, in the US, um, but I ha- you're saying you can do this stuff. I haven't seen this in the market yet. When can we expect to see products supported by this sort of technology actually on our shelves? So they're already on your shelves today, Guy, and actually in the UK as well. So there's a few retailers and brands that you can actually purchase product from and actually utilize the Atmayo technology and certainly can utilize the power of intelligent labels and the digital triggers I described before as well. There's with, with Adidas, we're fortunate to support their Infinite Play initiative and really help drive their next wave of connected products. And for that, we're able to offer the ability to connect all of their products to consumers. With that in mind, we're also doing this for many other large brands. We're working with seven of the top 20 apparel and retail brands globally, and also working with several of the top 10 restaurant chains globally as well that are looking to drive a similar type of connection between the story of the product through its journey and the consumer to drive towards a more sustainable conversation. And this technology itself has been public since March of 2021, but we're actually adding over 300 connected products to our platform every second and have over 14 billion products already active on our platform that are connected and are able to tell a story and help become an engine towards a more sustainable world. So basically me just not having noticed. Fair enough. Okay. Um, We are coming to the end of our time. So finally, could you tell me how people can find out more about yourself and uh, what you do? You can certainly find out more about Atma.io and our connected product cloud at atma.io, as well as rfid.averydenison.com, where you can learn more, not just about our connected product cloud, but our entire portfolio of digital trigger and digital identification technologies that can connect any product and help them become more sustainable products. And you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. And I'm always eager to learn what the entrepreneurs and the technologists out there in the ecosystem are looking to do. And we'd love to have them also build new applications 
on the AppMyO Connected Product Cloud to drive the future of connected products in a more connected and sustainable world. Max Winograd of Avery Dennison, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. And many thanks to you for listening. That was the Near Futurist podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. Don't forget to have a look at the website at nearfuturist.co.uk or my media training site at remotemediatraining.com. I'll be back in two weeks' time.